Thanks so much for joining me today. Today, the title of my message is I am setting you up for a miracle. Let's acknowledge Jesus. Jesus, we thank you and praise you that you just have good in mind for us. We thank you that you're not trying to take from us, but you're trying to give us, give to us. We thank you, Lord, that you want us to have revelation knowledge as to how to live well in your kingdom and with you when we leave here and even how to receive from you. We thank you today, Lord, that you are showing us that you're always setting us up for a miracle, for our answered prayer, because you're in love with us. We give you all the praise, all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God is so good. I'm so in love with him. I just love how he shows us how to receive from him, how to live in his kingdom. I love it that he's thinking about us all the time. And I can tell because of the things that I hear him say to me. And I'm sure you can acknowledge the same thing. He's so good. He is so in love with us. I want to read to you a little bit um, before I start. And Matthew chapter 12. Um, at that particular time, Jesus went through the fields of standing in grain in the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry. And they began to pick off the spikes of grain to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, See there, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the, and permitted on the Sabbath day. So like they're saying, Aha, you know, um, look what's going on here. And these glasses are not fitting right. There we go. So it was like, Aha, look at, we caught you. And the Pharisees saw it and they said to him, See there, Aha. Your disciples are doing what is unlawful and not permitted on the Sabbath. And he said to them, haven't you read what David did when he was hungry and those who accompanied him? He went into the house of God and ate loaves of the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, not for the men who accompanied him, but for the priests only. Or have you never read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple violate the sanctity of the Sabbath, breaking it? And yet they are guiltless. But I tell you something greater and more exalted and more majestic than the temple is here. If you had only known what the saying means, I desire mercy, readiness to help, spare to forgive, rather than sacrifice and sacrificial victims. You would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And going on from there, he went into their synagogue. And there was a man, one with a withered hand. And they said to him, is it lawful or allowable to cure people on the Sabbath day and that they might accuse him? That, that's why they're asking him. And he said to them, what man is there among you if he has only one sheep, if it falls into a pit or a ditch on the Sabbath? Well, not only hold it and lift it out, but much better of more value as a man than a sheep. So it's lawful and allowable to do good on the Sabbath day. And then he said to the man, Reach out your hand, and the man reached it out, and it was restored as sound as the other one. And I just want to say that that had been an intimidating moment for that man. Because knowing how the Pharisees are and what they're thinking, and then um, what Jesus is telling them to do, telling him to do. And so he had to trust Jesus to do that. You know, and he was taking a chance of being persecuted by them, I'm sure. And so even in the midst of that persecution, he stretched out his arm and he was made whole. 
And the Pharisees went out and held a consolation against him on how they might do away with him. So they were offended at that. They were offended at that very thing that Jesus was doing, and he was doing good. And so the man that stretched out his arm, I want to say he had faith action. He had faith action. He was saying, I believe you, and he stretched out his arm to be healed. And then also in John 9, there was a man who was born blind. And his disciples were saying, well, who sinned? His parents are him. And so right away, you know, um, there is intimidation. There's judgment, you know, and so I'm sure that man was going through in his thinking. He was going through that intimidation, feeling that less than feeling. And still, when Jesus made mud, um, let's see, where is it? So when Jesus made that mud, he went, he trusted Jesus, and he did what Jesus told him to do. So, and Jesus said, you know, pretty much, this isn't the deal. It's not that. It, it's it's not, not a time to point fingers, but the thing is that we must work the works of him who sent me and be busy about his business while it's daylight. Night's coming when no man can work. And he said that as long as I'm in the world, there's light. So he said this, and then he spat on the ground. He made clay with his saliva, and he spread it as an ointment on the man's eyes. And then he said, go wash in the pool. And so the man went, and he washed, and he came back seeing. Isn't that amazing? So I'm sure that guy felt a little intimidated, but at the same time, he had trust in Jesus. He trusted him. And the reason I read those two today is we have to trust Jesus that he is setting us up for our miracle as well. When he gives us direction, even if it's not comfortable, we have to just trust that we're going to do that. Trust him and just do it. Because when we do it, that is when our miracle is going to manifest. I've gone through that plenty of times. And um, actually this morning, God asked me to do something uncomfortable, intimidating. And um, even, you know, that judgment thing was going through my mind. And actually, um, a couple days ago, he asked me to do something and I did it and it was uncomfortable and I did it anyway. And then um, the next day, I really thought I was going to get my miracle. And he said that I had to work Um, He had to work out of me the care of what people think of me. And so he's been dealing with me with pride, and I shared some of that with you, and to be humble before him. And, you know, when you ask him to do something for you, that happens. He starts setting you up for your miracles. So many times he has given me direction, and it's really faith action. James tells us faith without action is dead. And so he really is setting you up by giving you the direction for that miracle and giving you the action, the faith action to say that you believe yesterday. We actually talked about Mark eleven twenty three says, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. If you say to this mountain and you don't doubt in your heart what you say, then what you say is going to happen. And then in verse 24, 
Jesus said. So consequently, because you did that, then when you ask, it'll be done for you. And so there's an order that Jesus was talking about. You know, he cursed the fig tree and Peter noticed it. And Jesus said, if you have constant faith and then you say what you believe and then you ask and you're in love, you, you don't hold anything against anyone, then what you say is going to happen. It's, you're going to get it. And um, actually, John 15, Jesus kind of says the same thing. You know, he said that when we abide in him, he's going to clean us up. He's going to get the dead branches out of our life. And then we're going to be shown to be true disciples of his because we're going to ask. And then we're going to get what we asked for. And so I felt like God wanted me to share that with you today so that when you are believing him for something and he gives you a direction and it's uncomfortable, and I started to tell you that this morning, you know, he told me a couple of days ago that he had to um, work this out of me, this fear of what people think of me. And, you know, I was kind of down about it. And I said, well, how long is that going to take? And he said, all you have to do is make a decision. And so I made a decision and then he gave me more directive this morning and I didn't want to do it. I was feeling like, well, I already put myself out there and you know, he reminded me of my decision and he said to not care what people think has to be a thing. It has to be a thing because we are called to be peculiar. So in a Christian's life, you have to be at the place where you're not going to be intimidated by the world. And I know that, you know, he's already shown me that. And um, so I have to abide in that. I have to stay in agreement with that, you know, and we have to get up every day and just sit before him. And hear him guide us and correct us and give us information, instruction, so that um, we can be set up for a miracle, which exactly is the next thing he said to me. You know, first he reminded me of my commitment, and then he said, I'm setting you up for your miracle. I'm giving you the faith action you need to have that miracle, that thing that you're believing me for. And, you know, that made it so much easier. And it, it, it is. It's so exciting to serve him. He's always saying yes and amen, just like the word of God tells us, just like he said in his word. He said that he is, he, he doesn't say no. And if things aren't working, then we're the liar. We're not listening. But he is true. And he doesn't lie. So the promises in the word of God are true. He is true to his word. And if we're not receiving from him, we missed it somewhere. You know, if I would have just walked away from that place or, you know, the man that stretched out his arm, you know, didn't want to because of the intimidation he felt or the care of what someone thought of him. I, I mean, we weren't there. We didn't know the exact situation, but I felt like God, you know, gave me these examples to use today. And the man that was born blind, you know, he was actually being accused of, did he sin or was it his parents? And, you know, so that's persecution right there. But Jesus said it straight and he's setting it straight for us today. He's saying that it's not that, you know, I don't forgive you of your sin. It's not that I'm saying no, it's that I'm saying do this. So Jesus is saying the same thing today. He's, he's not pointing a finger at us. He's not holding against us our sin, you know, because really how we get in the situations we are is because we're not living in his kingdom. And really, that's why he's giving us that direction 
so we can move into his kingdom and receive all he has for us. That's what he told me when I was believing for my son to be healed. He said, I don't want to just answer one of your requests, one of your prayers, but I want you to have all the good that I have for you. I want you to move all the way into my kingdom. And so when you learn how to live your life my way, then you're going to be able to receive freely. Then you're not going to have any lack in your life. And so that's what he's doing in this area. You know, he's setting me free, really, from myself, thinking about, wondering about, worrying about what somebody thinks of me and letting that control me. And he wants to do the same thing for you. I know I'm not alone. I know that, you know, in the society that we live in, it's a care, you know, and we are to cast that care on him and not be controlled by what somebody thinks of us. And when we do that, we can freely receive from him because we're going to obey him. We talked about that um, already, that we don't obey him because we're afraid of what somebody might think. If it doesn't work out or how we're going to look or whatever the reason, because the bottom line is we're worried about what they think of us. So we have to stop worrying about what people think of us and really care more what Jesus thinks of us. He said that to me a long time ago. Do you care what that person thinks or do you care what I think? You know, I was in this um, relationship, um, wasn't um, with a man or anything, but just in a relationship in my life where this person always wanted to control me. And I always had to um, come to this person and say, I can't do that because of this. And, you know, Jesus is the Lord of my life. And I had to come to terms with that. I actually had to get that straight. And the person rejected me for a long time and because of my walk with Jesus. And that's going to happen. Relationships are going to get tough when you put him first, when you care more about what he says and what he thinks about than the other person. But getting back to being set up for your miracle, you know, God knows where we're at. I had no idea the directions I was going to get. And the thing is, one of the directions took me so long And I decided, you know, so many times that when he tells me to do something, I'm just going to do it. Because when we don't, we linger in that place. We're stuck. We're in that place for too long of a time. Like the Israelites, you know, our journey gets to be too long when we just don't do what God tells us to do. So you want to make that commitment and know that he is setting you up for a miracle. Anything he tells you to do, like his mom said, do it. Mary said, just do whatever he tells you to do because he's setting you up for good. He has good in mind for you. He has good in mind for us. And so that's what he's doing. He's setting you up for a miracle. I love it that he said that to me this morning because it motivated me to do exactly what he was telling me to do. And I did it quickly before the enemy could talk me out of it. You just do you do. You want to just do it. And you know, when you start, the other thing I want to mention is when you start calling those things to be not as though they were, you know, you got God's attention. And he comes in so many times that's happened to me. I'm calling those things to be not as though they were. And, you know, he kind of butts in at some point and tells you the thing that's in the way of that and or tells you, as we were talking about, the faith action that you need to take. We read that in Mark eleven twenty four. That are 23, that we have to say it because when we say it, it means we believe it. If we're not saying it, we're not believing it. 
James 2.17 tells us faith without action is dead. And so we have to have an action of faith, and it might be saying it or it might be doing something. And in my case, I had to do a lot of things and say a lot of things. And so wherever you're stuck, you know, God wants to set you free. If it's caring about what people think, um, if it's being afraid to um, just trust him in healing, maybe, or with your finance and your finances, he's going to work all that out. He's going to show you if you have a God before him. You know, he knows exactly where you are in your life, what you've been through, what you're going through, how to gently teach you to leave that part of your life that's hindering you, get the dead branches off and bring you into um, a place where you can just feel, you know, set free, loved, have his compassion and just relax and be who he called you to be. God is so good. He's so exciting. You never asked him to come and live on the inside of you. I just want to give you that opportunity right now. He wants to set you free. He wants to teach you how to live in his kingdom. He wants to get all that dead stuff out of your life so that you can live free. He does. He just wants to set you free. And when you trust him, he can do that. And But the thing is, you got to get to know him. And it starts by asking him to come and live on the inside of you to be your God. And he said to the disciples, it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come and live on the inside of you. God is going to send a spirit to come and live on the inside of you, and he's going to be there with you all the time. And so if you want him to come and live on the inside of you, you should know, actually, that he laid down his life for you. He came. He showed us the Father. We read some of that today, the love for us. He bore your sickness, your disease, your sorrow, your pain. He shed his blood so we can be right with the Father. He is so good. He's so in love with you. And he just wants to, Revelation 3.20 tells us that he's knocking at the door of our heart. He wants to come in and hang out with us. He wants to dine with us. So if you want him to come and live on the inside of you, all you have to do is ask. And I would just love to do that with you right now. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you that you want to come and live on the inside of us. And we just invite you right now. We just invite you to come and live on the inside of us and be our God. Teach us your way. Teach us how to live in your kingdom. Teach us exactly who we are in you so that we can receive all the good that you have for us. Get all, get, help us to get all the junk out of our life. And so that we can live that good life that you called us to live. We love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. You know, he did. He called you to live a good life. John 10.10 says the enemy came to still kill and destroy. And Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full until it overflows. And, you know, part of that good life, you know, lots of people think of it as things. But part of that good life, and it is things, God wants us to have nice things, but he also wants us to be set free. He wants us to be happy. He, he just wants us to have fullness of joy. And he said, if we obey him, then his joy would be in us. And when we obey him is really when we can live in his kingdom because he's leading us to our miracle, leading us to live in his kingdom where we can be blessed all the time. And then when we leave here, we're going to be living with him. So he uses word. John 1.1 tells us in the beginning was word and word was God. 
He is his word. And so that's how you start to get to know him by looking at the word of God. And then when you're looking at the word of God, you got his attention and he's going to start showing him, showing himself to you. But you need to apply that word to your life by obeying it. You do what it says, no matter what, no matter how you feel about it, because he's always setting you up for a miracle. He's always setting you up for good. He said he would never leave us or forsake us. He has good in mind for us. But you need to know also that the enemy is going to come with his lie and try to talk you out of doing the word of God. But just don't let him. And whenever you feel weak, all you have to do is call on him and his strength will be there for you. He's going to anoint you to do his will because he's in love with you and he wants good for you. I mean, think of it. He laid down his life for you. He took those stripes for your healing. He bore your sickness, your disease, your sorrow, your pain. Isaiah 53. And so that's love. That is love. He laid down his life for us to make it easy for us. God knew we couldn't do it without him. And so now we have his strength on the inside of us, him on the inside of us. Anytime we want to call on him, we can. He's right there. And he'll never, ever leave you or forsake you. And he'll always answer you. I just want to encourage you one more time that when you're asking God for something that he doesn't say no, but he's going to give you a direction and it's not always going to be comfortable, but you have to remember that direction is not only setting you free, but he's setting you up for your miracle, for your answered prayer. And he's just pulling you out of the world and bringing you into his kingdom where you can have more than just that one prayer answered but you can have all your heart's desires come to pass. Here's child. He's in love with you. Just like you want good for your kids, he wants good for you. He's so in love with you, and he just wants you to know that. He wants you to know that, and the only way you can know that is by taking the time to get to know him. And as I said, that's the time that you take to get to know him, is getting in his word and looking at it, and then he will manifest himself. He's so good. He's so in love with you. Thanks so much for listening today and God bless you.